Welcome to Cobra Kai Never Dies. Today we're doing our 40th episode. Yay! Season 4, episode 6, Picks Get Chicks. And guys, I want you to know that I was surprised that this was our 40th episode. Uh, I didn't think that there had been like 40 episodes of Cobra Kai yet, but as Neil pointed out, we did a mailbag episode, we did some Karate Kid movie reviews. And maybe this doesn't seem like a huge achievement because the other content creators have probably done millions of episodes. Kudos to them. But you know those people who analyze trailers? Like, man, they like put out like five pieces of content every day. We are lazy pieces of shit. We are. And this is a huge accomplishment for we us. We have never done 40 of anything. Yeah. Ever. Well, <laughs> okay, let's not be too impressed. Um, we're we're going to keep slogging on, man. We also haven't reached the end of this episode yet, so technically we haven't done 40 of this either. You know what? You had to steal the moment. Just, let's be accurate about it. But we're doing Kicks Get Chicks today. Um, which is Netflix synopsis, a major change to the upcoming tournament since Johnny's scrambling to find a new recruit for Eagle Fang. Tori must ask a favor of the LaRussos. I feel for her. Um, so let's start with those major changes. The board. Yes, yes. Um, can I just say, look, we know, because he tweeted about us once, that Hayden Schlossberg, showrunner of Cobra Kai, once may have listened to an episode of our show, right? Yeah, at least one. Yeah, okay. and so I'd like, I'd like to imagine that perhaps like he accidentally presses play on our show sometimes. So <laughs> I want to like put this out there. I love the board. I love the the karate tournament board. I would watch a spin-off of the board. And I feel like it's the board has grown too. Like everyone has kind of their own weird character. There's the guy George who is our favorite. Oh god, George is the just best. Lives to just throw shit in the middle of the the meeting. Mm-hmm. And... There's the guy who's like really obsessed with the blue mats. Um, which he credits for, for increasing attendance. And we all know this guy in real life, right? Yeah, it ah. actually gave me like war flashbacks to every group meeting that I've ever had to decide something. How long do you think these meetings run? Oh my God, this is clearly an like eight hour, hour all yeah, day it was retreat. Like eight yes. Empty cups of coffee. Mm-hmm. And, and, and everyone's uh, getting increasingly hostile. There's some great meta stuff where like the only female member of the board pulls up like a PowerPoint presentation and is like, middle-aged men and their sons are the big fans now. It's the simplest pie chart of right? all time. But the female market is growing. And I'm like, ah, good job, show. I see what you're doing here. <laughs> um, yeah. That's us. And then, of um, course, there's the guy who plays like film clips of Aisha getting kicked by like a dude in the previous tournament. Because I'd sort of forgotten, but Aisha just competed like with the boys. It was all open, right? And then, you know, he's like, is this... Come on. What are the optics of this? Yeah. So they make some rule changes. They also mentioned, um, you know, a few ideas in terms of bringing back, tapping into their vibrant and active community of local celebs, which as two people who have watched the entire series, this comes back in a big way. A terrible a way. Terrible a way. terrible way. A terrible, terrible way. The worst possible way. We'll save it for that episode, but as soon as I heard that, I was like, Oh, no, they were laying the groundwork for that. Right. I didn't realize that. I just thought that it's like, oh, it's that dude who's, like, obsessed with, like, getting a celebrity to come to places, which is also very familiar. As from George many says, meeting. God help us all. Yeah. Oh, George is so great. <laughs> His delivery is just perfect, like, yeah. for everything. I would watch a spinoff of him just... Make it his life. Show. Yeah. Um, the new rules are: there's a skills competition, a separate girls division, and I guess they're whoever, whichever dojo has the most points ends up winning. You know what? I don't know that we were super clear on the original rules. Yeah. Like we were there rules. I mean, 
I mean, think of like what happened in the third Karate Kid, which they alluded to, like how crazy that was. And, and Johnny was like, Terry Silver, I've never heard of that guy. No. <laughs> because it's like, yeah, a coked out Silver running a karate tournament or participating... I mean, they could never top that, really. It's true. And um, I, I think that it's it's nice that now they're pretending that there are actually standards and rules involved in karate tournaments. Um, how do you feel about these changes, Nina? How do you personally feel? Uh, I mean, I feel like it's not a huge change to us. And I think it's... I don't know. I guess I think the, the reason they did it is because to give all three dojos kind of like... oh a chance at winning because if it was really just honestly we know that Daniel should not have won right like if we're talking about just straight up karate skill we watch those fights and as we talked at length in the last episode not doing so great um that's but, a, but if they had a kata division sure let yeah one of them could up. clean up there fine I, I mean I will say that like it makes sense all of these rule changes, this is probably more realistic for, you know, the real world. It makes, it, you know, basically sets up that there will be a Sam Tory showdown. It kind of makes sense that they would have a girls division. All of that said, all of that said, I, I always thought it was kind of cool that Aisha was just, like, entering the tournament, like, with everybody else. You yeah, know I, mean? I agree. And I think, you know what, they have the, the rivalry split along the gender line. And I don't feel like it's necessary. I mean... You know, I I feel like Tori had beef with a lot of different people, and it would have been cool to see her like beat up on. I do. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. I I I mean, I, I I think this is a totally logical change for like the plot and for like the logic of the tournament. But yeah, no. I mean, I think Tori could do it. Yeah, Tori can take a lot of people mm-hmm. down. Um. So then we go to Miyagi Do. Speaking of Sam, uh, who has her anger issues stepped up. We're at Miyagi-Do, um, <laughs> and Dimitri is kind of like, I guess, the audience stand-in, and he basically was like, you know, you don't really have much of a dojo, you just have, like, me and a few others, and, and you know, what about Robbie? And Daniel goes, of course we wish Robbie was here, and you know what? I don't know if he even misses Robbie the person. He misses having a contender. Yeah, Robbie is very much like a free agent this season, you don't sense he has a lot of loyalty to Cobra Kai or anything. Or do you want to like? Hmm. Do you want to get into Robbie first? Because he has like a little bit of a plot, yeah. but not tons of plot. Well, I was gonna say what's weird is that I just came to this realization that no one—I mean, we had it before—that no one really cares about Robbie. But I was thinking back to that car scene when Robbie and, um, sorry, Daniel and Johnny are like on the streets of Reseda looking for Robbie. And Daniel's, like, the only one who shows, like, some human concern. And Johnny's just kind of, like, eating his burrito. And he's like, yeah, we find it, we don't, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I feel like in this, like, it hasn't been that long. He went to Juvie, and then he kind of got drafted by Cobra Kai. And I feel like now neither Daniel nor Johnny is really, like... Yeah. You know, like... <laughs> They don't, like, neither of them cares that much anymore. Um, and, you know, we love Johnny, but yeah, no, he's a terrible father to his real son. And with Daniel, he was a pretty good fake father for a while, but, like, now, like, look, he's... But it's so clear that, like, Dimitri is like, hey, remember Robbie? This guy that was, like... He was good at karate. An integral part that, like, did this, like, car internship for you? It's like, oh, yeah, that guy. So, I mean, it has been a while. I hadn't realized that till you brought it up, but, like... Daniel has not been to, has not really thought about or talked about Robbie for a while. 
Um, but he does go see him in this episode. Um, can I mention something, like, random that I really liked? Is that, like, he goes to see him in, like, um, the bodega that's in the same strip mall as Cobra Kai. And the guy working at the bodega, like, is, he's, we, he, we've seen him since season one. He's the bodega guy. So I, I just got, like, really happy because that makes me happy. Yeah, I um, like these notes. Yeah, you also see, like, the homeless woman who's always just kind yeah, of drifting she has, in and out of the seasons. I think this is her only, like, spot. Like, last season she had an actual scene, like mm-hmm. a speaking scene, but. But yeah, it's, it's just nice. I don't know. I like those little touches. Um, but yeah, he goes to confront Robbie and he does, I mean, basically he's, like, he gives him the stay away from Silver speech. Like, Silver got in my head, manipulated me, I don't want to see him do the same to you. But, you like... I feel like Daniel... We've, we've called out Daniel for being self-absorbed, but I just want to bring it back to the previous scene where um, Dimitri... He sees um, Eli, like, come up to the... This happens later, but he sees Eli, and he kind of, like, pushes aside Dimitri, and I don't know. It's like he sees these kids as just, like, a pawn again. I don't know. Yeah, I mean... Sad. Especially, like, yeah, that's the last scene of the episode, or, like, one of the last, the later scenes where, like, uh, Dimitri comes back, and or, sorry, Hawk comes back, and he's like, alright, champion, come up here. Um, I mean, I do think that he views things through the, the Daniel lens a lot, and, like, I think that he genuinely could be worried that, like, uh, Robbie's gonna be manipulated and go down a dark path, but I also think that Daniel very much brings Daniel baggage to this, and it's just like, this is what happened to me. It is obviously what's gonna happen to you. And Robbie, who's, like, you know, kind of like a good character this season, super weird. He's is, so, so over it that... He's just so over it. He's like, yeah. no, I, I think it's gonna be fine, please. Um... Oh, and then, of course, like, you know, you squealed because Silver comes into the bodega. <laughs> I love that he's just always there lurking. Like, yeah. Daniel is doing his, like, um, anti-Silver, just-don't-do-Silver drug speech. And, you know, Silver's just, like, coolly behind him watching him do this. And he refers to him as LaRusso, of course, when Robbie's around. And then when he sends Robbie away, <sighs> he calls him Danny, Danny Boy. Boy. Oh, <laughs> savage. So great. Um, it, yeah, it's pretty great. And, you know, when Daniel's all like, you tortured me and manipulated me. And Silver's like, this is smooth Silver, you know. And he's just kind of like, dude, all, all I did was give you a little push you became like a weird, like aggro asshole he's yourself. Not and wrong. You, he's, he's not, not wrong. wrong. Yeah. I mean, he said, I brought out what was already inside. And I thought he's essentially like, isn't that what Kreese did to him? Just brought out the kind of like Cobra. The Cobra inside, inside all of us. Yeah, perhaps? exactly. Yeah. And you know what? Watching Terry Silver in this, I was like, I can buy it. Yeah, sure. totally. <laughs> he's not on cocaine anymore and he's still here. I mean, are we sure he's not on cocaine anymore? He's always on cocaine in his heart somewhere. Um, but, yeah. And then there's this last bit of the scene, which I'm just going to point out. The bodega guy is like, if you're going to use this as a conference room, you have to buy anything. <laughs> bodega guy, you make a, you, he makes a lot out of very little. He sees little. a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's Robbie, and that's Robbie's kind of entire arc. Do you want to do Sam or, like, uh, or Eagle Fang? Or Dimitri and Hawk. There's like there's like there's a, a few through lines there. in this episode. Um, yeah, let's do Sam. I just want to get that over with because she super pissed me off in this episode. Really? Okay. Okay. I, that's surprising. I thought I thought we were having the same experience. But I no. mean, I didn't mind Sam. I think apparently you did more than I did, just because like her main beef in this episode is that there's this actually pretty nice scene. Um, 
where Tori goes to talk to the LaRussos. Um, she has a previous scene where, like, you, you get a little Tori background where her aunt comes to see her for some reason at the Cobra Kai strip mall, which seems weird, but whatever. Um, and, you know, you learn that her aunt is kind of a piece of shit who just wants, like, uh, Tori's mom's disability checks and her survivor benefits after that after she dies. And she, she alludes to Tori's... Tori having anger problems like her Like father. her father. Dun, dun, dun. Clearly Terry Silver, I know. God, God isn't he everyone's father? He um, is everywhere. He yeah. could have fathered a lot of kids. <laughs> anyway. Uh, um, but yeah, like, and, and her aunt alludes to the fact that, like, when Tori's mom dies, like, there's going to be a custody battle over her little brother, and Tori will assuredly lose because she's, like, a high school dropout. So anyways, um, Tori, like, goes to see the LaRussos, and basically the situation is that the school will let her re-enroll, but the LaRussos have to sign off on it, which, you know, okay, I get that. They did, like, she did, like, threaten their daughter, and, and I understand that. And um, Mrs. LaRusso is, man, Amanda, again, I like Amanda. She's, like, very, she's, like, supportive, and she wants to help without going overboard. Here's a question for you. Why didn't Tori go to Crease? Because Crease is kind of, like, made her rent problems go away. But if the only way that she can get back to school is, like, getting the LaRussos to sign off on it. It then... had to be the LaRussos? Yeah, that that seemed to be... I don't know how realistic this is from a public education standpoint. Yeah, I'm just wondering, like, what weird regulation is that? Right. For, I mean, but I do... Well, I don't know legally if this works out. Like, practically speaking, it's like, if the school is going to, like, let this student back in, like, if they get, like, this... Honestly, like, maybe they were like, I think the LaRussos need to waive their right to sue or something like that. I could see that. Oh, that makes the plot more interesting, because then I can see now how Sam saw it as a betrayal. Yeah. Okay. Wait, um, yeah, why, why, why didn't, or what did you think was the... I don't know, I just thought it could have been, I was wondering if it had to be the LaRussos, or it could have been anybody, but, um, anyway. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I can see how Sam's fist, but I think... In this case, I love that it happens kind of behind her back. That, like, Tori and Amanda are sort of forging this relationship. Um, and it's kind of like, it's an organic relationship. She's going to her because she has no other options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I like I like that both, like, she's going to her because, like, this is her only option. And she has to. Because, like, yeah, I, I didn't see Tori doing this. No matter how many kind of okay interactions she has with, like, Amanda LaRusso... I don't think she would do it unless she absolutely had to, and that seemed like it was set up that way. And then she does, and Amanda's like, like she's yeah again like she lives in reality, but not in a not in a boring way. Like Amanda's like, okay, you know I can do this, but you really got to like see a counselor or someone non karate related. I love that because that's not a condition that Crease would have been able to offer. Never, right? yeah. And so and it's just like, well, good for you, man. That's sensible. Um, but like while I liked Amanda there, and I thought she, I, I thought that was like totally a great character moment for her. I totally get why Sam was like, what the actual fuck? Like, you're, like, the girl who, like, cut my face. You're like, yeah, sure, come meet with me. Have breakfast at our table. I'll let you come back to high school. <laughs> Not even gonna talk to you. You know, that's a little fucked maybe, up. Maybe that's that's powered by my, my animus for Sam. Uh, she just does a lot of other shit in this episode. She does other shit in this episode that, like, made me, like, roll my eyes very hard. But, yeah, like, when Sam is throwing... Her tantrums this season have generally been very good. Like, they have been actually grounded in a place of, like, yeah, no, I I guess I would feel that way if I came home and my mom was, like, you know, lovingly looking at, like, the girl who, like, beat the crap out of me, like, twice. Um, (laughs) 
But I mean, Tori just is more endearing. Like, Tori's done a lot of shit. And when Tori shows up at the LaRusso household, her and Amanda have this kind of like, Amanda's still cracking jokes. And she's like, you, you seem to know the way. And um, I like that. Like, they kind of clear the air. And, and then... we're, we're kind of, I mean, let's be honest. The thing that we're aligned on is, aren't we hoping that next season that, like, Tori and Amanda form this, and like... Greece, yeah. Yeah, like, suddenly Tori is, like, working at, like, the car dealership, and she's a natural at sales. Yeah. Yeah, and right? I mean, no spoilies for, like, future episodes, but I... I don't know if it happens in the next episode, but there is a, a, a scene with Robbie and Sam where he kind of calls her out for like always, everyone always looking out for her and her never having any real problems. And I think, you know what? Your mom kind of started a secret family on the side. That would be a real problem to have. Right. And also, I mean, I should mention, all this is, it's not like a huge, I mean, actually there's some good, good Amanda moments. I was going to say this is a little bit of an aside, but like Amanda has like a pretty good scene afterwards where Daniel's kind of like, uh, you know, what, what, what are you doing, dude? Yeah, let's talk about that Daniel-Amanda scene. Yeah. Um, so they're in the kitchen, and, you know, Daniel is at first kind of siding with um, Sam, and he's like, you know, how could you take this person in? And it's really, Amanda makes a parallel between kind of Tori and Robbie. Like, Robbie got into trouble, and they sort of, like, I guess, initially adopted him before well, Once I mean, again, kicking him out. But. I, and, like, yeah, I and mean, she makes a parallel between Tori and herself, really. That's true, yeah. Um, so she, Amanda, backstory, took a baseball bat to her teacher's car. Math tutor's car. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Daniel's like, why? It's like, well, she was having an affair with my dad. And Amanda got, like, arrested and charged with, like, a, like a misdemeanor for it. And she was lucky that it didn't ruin her life. And I like this little bit of background, because it's not like... It's not a crazy, over-the-top, like, sob story or something like that. It's like you don't find out that Amanda was in prison for ten years or something. It's just kind of like... It, she did something that was, like, actually, like, pretty bad. Like, she took a, ma- a bat to the math tutor's car while her math tutor was in it. Um, and, like, she regrets it. And it's just one of those things where, like, it's like the theme of this season or maybe this show is that, like, anyone can be, like, a bully. As right? an aside, though, I get that she was embarrassed about that. But it wasn't, again, I was thinking, like... Of all the things you can find out about somebody's past, on the grand scale of things, this isn't that bad. And so, is it sort of a, a warning sign that she didn't feel comfortable enough to tell Daniel? Whoa, after, you're always looking for cracks. Twenty years of marriage. I mean, maybe it's like I never brought it up before. And there's never a good. She's time. like, it wasn't a first date story or any date story, but I'm like, you're married. You're past the dates. You're way past the dates. I. You're having karate wars. My husband doesn't know anything about my arrest record. Obviously. But, yeah, like, but, like, yeah, no, I think it's a little bit, like, it's a little strange that this is the first time that he's ever heard of it, but I could see that, like, it seems like something that she's really ashamed of. Maybe it's not, in the grand scheme of things, like, the worst thing in the world, but, like... What would be the worst thing for you? Oh, you know, I'm trying to think of like, what would I... I'm just thinking of all the evenings that Amanda has had to listen to Daniel talk about the All Valley, talk about high school, talk about Miyagi, and she's just, you know, she's... She's just like, you yes, know, you, You've gone through all of your first date anecdotes, you've talked about your past, you wouldn't think to... Wait, 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 wait. 20 years of like... Wait, I got it, I got it. You're right, he probably talks about it incessantly, about how he was terribly bullied in high school, which he was, we saw the first movie, and like how he like rose up against that... And, you know, Daniel, you know, people have said that we are too hard on Daniel. That's probably true. But, like, yeah, he was bullied very badly. And he kind of has this mentality that, like, he's sort of, you know, he's the victim. Bullies are out there. And you got to, like, stand up to them. And this is a story about Amanda being a bully. 
right? Like, she takes a baseball bat to, like, another teenage girl's car while she's in it. That's, like, there's no really way of getting around that. That's a shit thing to do, right? Um, no, I, it wasn't a teenager. It was, it was teenager. Her math tutor. She said, okay. She said tutor. All right. But no, but she's, and that tutor was having an affair with her dad? Yeah. God, so tawdry. Right? It's very tawdry. Um, Nina's now, like, her eyes are lighting up and being like, I take a baseball bat to her car, too. Am I <laughs> no, right? No, I take a baseball bat to my dad's legs, because I would not be blaming. Right. That's the blame where it lies, man. That's what, yeah, that's what sensible people do. But no, Amanda <laughs> goes crazy, goes ape on this girl's car, and like, Maybe Amanda, when she's dating Daniel, she's like, I like this guy, but I just don't think that he will react well to this story. Yeah, and I think, what kind of marriage is that that you can't be honest about? Crease would react great to that yeah, I story. Bet you could, I bet you could Crease would that be to, like, you should have killed her, yes. I bet you could reveal that to Silver. <laughs> so I'm trying to make this happen. It's not happening. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's like Amanda's little little like plot point, but... Ultimately, like, we were trying to, like, stick with Sam. We went on some directions. But, like, so Daniel, at the end of his conversation with Amanda, like, comes around to her point of view. And that is actually what leads him to go talk to Robbie, which we talked about before. But, like, um... Yeah, he almost has an expression. Like, he looks like he's having a realization. Yeah. Again, maybe... Perhaps been... things are complex. Yes. Um, <laughs> he, he does seem to have that moment. Um, but then, like, we get back to Sam... Who's still like fucking upset about this? Which again, yeah. I, I I feel I I understand it. Um, you're you're still like a little bit like eh. yeah. I was like kind of eh. and then it cemented it in this next scene when she goes to drive out to see her old pal Aisha in Santa Barbara. Which guys, it's not it's not a insignificant drive. It's two hours, right? I like that the show really has a sense of where things are in California. Yeah. It is a long drive. It's a long yeah. ass drive. And you know how we know she has not spoken to Aisha oh, since God. she moved away? Is because Aisha catches her up on her post-tournament happenings in like two minutes. Gives her like the two-minute catch-up of her entire life. And Sam just kind of nods along. And then Aisha, as if she knows that she's just a bystander in this plot, is like, you obviously didn't come to hang out with me. Why don't we talk about your problems for right? a while? You. And Sam's like, you're absolutely right. Yep. Because Sam, of course, drove up to Aisha's house without calling or emailing or texting or anything first. And you're right. She has not talked to Aisha since Aisha left town because she wasn't even aware of, like, why Aisha and her family moved. Like, she never reached out after that happened. Because she Which, was like, I yeah. thought you left because of the karate thing. And no, was it because your dad got a job at UCSB? I'm like, this is a conversation you could have very easily had a long time ago. But okay, whatever. This is fine. Aisha is still... I like Aisha, man. I like Aisha, but I just feel really bad for her. And actually, the one bit of comfort, the silver lining here, is that Aisha has this, is giving advice to Sam because that's apparently why she exists. And she's like, you know what? There's a there's a girl at my school that I thought would be a bully, and then I kind of befriended her. And I thought, thank the Lord that she's made a friend. Like a real A real friend? friend? I hope so, yeah. I know, unless that girl is also using her for karate advice. Oh my God. Um, but she calls Sam her OG bestie, and I was like, Aisha, come on, you, Let you deserve go. better than this. Yeah. Was Sam about astronomy and chocolate? Right. Uh, yeah, but like, I liked that Aisha's like little little speech, you know, because of course Sam just came to talk about how upset she is about the Tory thing. And Aisha's whole speech is like about like how when she sees this girl at her new school all dressed in pink, seems like a bitch, seems like she's about to be her next bully. Like, she goes up to her and introduces herself and like asks this girl to show her around and now they're like new best friends and like, 
I liked it because she her her summation of this is like Sensei Lawrence taught me to strike first, and it's like and set the terms. You know what I mean? It's like that's really yeah. Nice. Striking and first doesn't have to be like about like you know kicking someone in the nads. Aisha got the best version of Cobra Kai, and then she like pieced out. Yeah, right. And then the rest of these kids, they're just getting random, random well, ass they, lessons. They are getting random ass lessons, but like, it is nice, like, because I feel like the season's like really kind of about like how there's no best way, every every way has its like, go, like its pros and cons, and I, I like that, where it's just like, you know, like the teachings of like, strike first, strike hard, no mercy, can mean kind of what you want them to mean, right? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Did you feel like after the talk with Aisha, Sam was like, yes, I've internalized this? Or did you, as we'll see in the next scene, Sam is is continuing to break bad? I mean, it was interesting because she comes away from that and she's like smiling and nodding. And then like she later has this talk with her dad where, you know, like she, it seems like, yeah, no, I'm ready to be the bigger person or whatever. And then instead, you get uh, Tori's first day in high school, and then like Sam comes up to her, and do you, do you want to describe it? It's yeah, it's very weird. Uh, Sam, you know, Tori is kind of is getting a lot of looks, and she she actually looks like she's just trying to like get through the day, and she's tells Sam, you know, like she starts out saying, "I know, you know, you let me back in," and then Sam just cuts her off, and it's like. Uh, you know, you might have my parents fooled, but I know who like, you are. I run the school, bitch. Yeah, and... I will kick your ass for the ter- third time if you look at me funny. Which is like, I don't actually think you won those those other fights. Yeah, I but... don't know. And also, it's weird because Tori's not somebody who like hides the ball. Like, if she's gunning for you, she never hit it particularly well. You can just tell from the way that she's coming into this high school that she's on like very shaky ground, and like the it's. The game's different. The stakes are different. But maybe she doesn't know that. Like, yeah, I'm curious. What does Sam know, if anything, about? I don't um, think Sam Tori's... knows a ton about like Tori's like background and everything. Do you think it would make a difference at this juncture? No, because like you know, I'm I'm gonna be honest. Like, as much as like I, I don't particularly like Sam as a character. Like, I don't know how. I don't know exactly how I would feel about like somebody who like punched my face with brass knuckles. I didn't mean it, Lutha. <laughs> Okay. Thanks, Nina. I have a bad home life. Oh my, yeah, exactly. I'd be the time that you like beat me up in school. I have not forgiven just because, like, you have a, a tragic home life and also my podcast partner. But like, <laughs> look, yeah, like I think that that's like I, I don't blame Sam for for being pissed that Tori's here. I just think that little like weird speech at the end where she's like, "I'm coming for you, bitch," is like, Sam, you can't pull it off. This is one of those things, I think we talked about this in season one, where, like, Sam tries on a different personality every season, and this is the season where she's the bad girl. Yeah, she's trying. She's trying to be a Tory, but she's never going to be a Tory. You're not going to be a Tory. I mean... It takes a lot of shitty home life increases. Right, and and maybe, like, I hate ragging on, like, the actress, because, like, she's probably a kid or something, but, like, I don't think she can quite pull this off, um... Which, maybe that's part of the character, that she's trying but failing, but, like, yeah, it just comes off as, like, I'm embarrassed for Sam now. Oh, my God. Yeah, and Um, I I don't know. Maybe she would have come off a lot better in this episode if that entire scene with Aisha was just cut out. I think, like, whatever they're trying to do, like, you know, every time they, like, this season we're seeing, we're trying to humanize Tori and get people on her side, and it's totally working. But... I don't know if it's ever going to work with Sam. Like, at this point... I mean, there were moments, this, like, already that, like, you know, when Sam is with Johnny, I like her. 
when not when Sigmund is with Aisha, but when she's like actually standing up to Daniel and then being like, "What the fuck?" Like, I like her. It's just like she's she can't pull off like aggro girl very well, so don't do that, you know. And also, seeing her with Aisha kind of reminds you of what a shit friend she was to Aisha. Um, and yeah. that's not going to endear you to anybody. It's like, no, pretend that didn't happen show if you want to get people on Sam's side again. Like, that's, yeah. But, I, I mean, if you really want to, like, make Sam sympathetic, like, honestly, just, like, having her, like, hold Daniel on his shit, like, is amazing. Yeah, I think that's where she really shines, and I don't know... She does that a bit in this episode, yeah. where, like, when, you know, when Daniel's, you know, trying to provide, present a united front with Amanda, is like, you know, Sam, you know, maybe you gotta get along with this Tory character in school... And she snaps at him very rightfully, like, you can't even get along with your high school rival for, like, 30 seconds. Which is true. And, like, I mean, at this point, I would say Sam has more legitimate beef with Tori than Daniel has with, like, with Johnny. Um, yeah, so, yeah. So, I mean, I'm asking, since you're basically the Amanda stand-in, would you have offered the olive branch to Tori to seeing her struggle with three jobs, one of which you got her fired from? Yeah, I'd do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I would I would definitely do it if I were... Like, Amanda seems like she's a decent human being. It's like... And she, you know, and she's, like, made mistakes and shit. I'd totally do it. But I also would... I could totally understand being Sam and being like, really? Fuck you, Mom. Um, you, know. you know what I'd do? What? I mean, I would just formally adopt Tori and her little brother. Because, you know, they've seen some shit. They're probably not going to risk a good situation here. Kind of like how Robbie was like the model tenant. Oh yeah, of course. When he was a little resource, he was like scrubbing cars and, you know, he needed that place to live. He was not going to sleep at the back of the dojo. Well, he did shack up with Sam. That's Probably true. wasn't the greatest idea. I, but, uh, I digress though. Exactly. And then she unceremoniously uh, kicks out Sam and Anthony. Yeah. I mean, she's like, I've traded up. Yeah. I don't know Tori's little brother, but I'm sure he's better than Anthony, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's so, Sam. I guess we should get to the other plots fine. Um, God. So there is Dimitri and Hawk, and then there's Eagle Fang looking for their female champion. What do you want to do first? Um, let's do the recruiting scene. Eagle Fang. All right. So Eagle Fang is a total sausage fest. They don't have a female champion. And now that there's a female division in the tournament, what are they going to do? So you get like a... A Johnny, or Miguel takes Johnny to, like, where all the high school girls apparently, like, practice for their various sports teams, um, and he, uh, he does his thing. Yeah, he's just, uh, I love the show's montages. They're just really well done. Johnny dooms himself by mentioning Facebook, which, you know what, doesn't, him and technology, just... He's just a little bit behind, man. But I love how Miguel is just ready to be supportive and just be a reluctant participant, even if it goes crazy. I mean, he at some point makes Miguel oil up uh, and, like, <laughs> pose so that Johnny can be like, there's a whole stable of hot young dudes. Look, it's a great scene, but I gotta ask you, Nina. Let's, like, what, you played tennis in high school, right? Yep. You're out there on the tennis court. Johnny Lawrence walks up to you, tries to recruit you for his dojo. What do you say? What's I mean, your reaction? Hell yes. I mean, that somebody wants, is, is angling for me, you know, makes me feel special, and I'm not just one rando on the tennis team. Why not? I mean, yeah. No, I would love for somebody to, like, personally recruit me to their dojo, even if he does seem a little bit creepy in the scene. Like, yeah, <laughs> why not? I know. He uh, approaches Moon 
And Moon's so sweet. Yeah, yeah Moon's Moon like is, the nicest person. Moon um, is in character and is against violence, which is a shame. Yeah, but she'd love to do it. It sounds like fun, except if she has to hit people. Yeah, but she she very generously is like her now ex girlfriend Piper. You know, is apparently like a superstar athlete, not afraid of a fight. So she she uh, you know points them in her direction. Yes, and this is where Johnny we get to how he poaches her. Oh. Yes. Yes. Okay. Okay, Sensei. Remember what Moon told you? Yes, I will be awake. Yeah, no, no, no. Uh, be woke. Hey, Piper. I wanted to introduce you. This is uh... Sensei John Lawrence of Eagle Fang Karate. Let me tell you why my dojo is a perfect place for a modern young woman like yourself. We live in a world where you got to be an alpha to survive. You're either a killer or you're dead meat. You got to be a man. But at Eagle Fang, we confront that problematic phrase and make it empowering for all. We teach anyone who identifies as female to embrace their queenly strength and tear down the neo-masculine hierarchy to confront internalized sexism. Sounds inclusive, but what about non-binary and gender fluid? Yes, fluids are crucial. If you don't hydrate, it affects performance. <laughs> and he's funny. So, love the cutest thing about the scene is how proud Miguel is of him. Right? Like, Sensei, do you know what any of those words meant? No, Johnny P's standing up, for God's sake. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm proud of Johnny, honestly. He might not understand the words, but he memorized them. And, like, you know, can we talk about woke Johnny for a second? When he was, like, recruiting girls at the high school or trying to, like, he was like, you know, babes, dudes, whatever you're into, it's fine as long as you can kick ass. Like, he's a, he has turned over a leaf. He doesn't care what people are into. It's true. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah as we, we've said many times Johnny's Johnny's growth over the season has been meteoric and Daniel we go back and forth on how he's changed if he's changed yeah and um, um so we got a tweet again that like was very nice but was mentioned that we are hard on Daniel which is like 1000% true we are like such assholes to Daniel all the time um but it's cause we care it's cause we care we want him to be better and to it's it's unfair but it's true that Johnny gets graded on a curve because, like, he started out an asshole, and you get to see his whole arc towards being less of an asshole. Whereas Johnny, or, sorry, Daniel was probably, like, kind of a smug, but mostly regular guy. But he's kind of just kind of remained a smug and regular guy. Yeah, so we, we rate him harshly. See, we need to see Daniel at his rock bottom. And, you know what? We I want really, to see growth. Right? I really thought that, like, it would have happened last season, you know, when he was in Okinawa. Like... Maybe Chosen kicks his ass. and But maybe it really takes Terry Silver. And Maybe it does, because Okinawa just kind of emphasized that, like, no, actually you save people's lives and they feel very grateful to you. You're oh, still yeah. a hero of your own story. The travesty that was Karate Kid Part 2. Right. Um, so, no, it's Karate Kid Part 3 that really goes to those It brings traumas. him low. Yeah. It brings him low, and I think that you need to see that for him, to see the, the, the Daniel journey. Like, you got to see the Johnny journey because he was in, like, a pretty bad place. And now he's in a slightly less bad place. You got to see the same yeah, thing. Yeah, and it makes me sad to think of like Johnny being relegated to maybe a side character, just getting fun montages uh, to invest in Johnny's art or Daniel's art. But you know what? Maybe it needs to. It happen. might need to happen because yeah. it's like Johnny's mostly like he's done. He's kind of done. Like I'm not sure like how much woker he can get than this point. Yeah, right? like at the end of the fight, we saw that. Yeah, um, in the last episode. So. Um, it's really tragic, though, that, you know, after all of his, like, masterful recruitment of Piper, where does she end up going, Lotha? I mean, can I blame Piper? She no. goes to Cobra Kai because Terry Silver, mastermind that he is, realizes, like, 
that, you know what you gotta do to get, like, teenagers to join your dojo is invest in merchandise. I love this. Although I will say, <laughs> sort of, I love seeing Crease light up when um, Silver mentioned the merch and, like, all of those boxes. Because Crease is a fashionista, and you know what? He was tired of wearing those tired-ass geese. And you know what? He's ready to have that Dynatox money flowing in. Right? And good for you, Crease. I was worried that he would be all, like, scowly and pouty about it. But he's like, T-shirts? Everybody loves T-shirts. The thing is, Crease is as susceptible to a silver lore as the rest of us, you know? He doesn't realize the price you pay for a little merch. I don't know if you realize this, but uh, the Cobra Kai logo on all those brand new T-shirts is silver. That's true. That's true. Yeah. And I don't think he consulted Crease on the branding. Did well, you? Would you? Come on. No. Yeah. No. Oh, man. We know who's, who Creasy the branding is guy is. losing this dojo just inch by inch. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the t-shirts are so cool. Piper, we barely knew ye. I don't know who you are as a person, but I don't blame you for your choice. Like, it's fine. Yeah. Um... So anyway, they they go back to the drawing board and they start thinking outside the box and they end up at a debate tournament. I mean, to be fair, uh, Bert has a crush on some debate chick, so he's watching this debate tournament and Miguel's with him for I don't know some reason. But uh, Johnny shows up mainly because he has like a brand new idea inspired by '80s classic, I guess, ladybugs to like have penis breath dress up as a girl. Look. Look, the mechanics of this scene are ridiculous. There's no reason for, like, Johnny to sneak into a debate tournament. Like, how does he even know where they are? Why is he telling, like, Miguel and Bert about this and not Penis Breath? <laughs> but anyways, the point is, is that he shows up with a blonde wig in his backpack. Um, but then he sees the debater that Bert apparently is, yeah, is crushing on. Yeah, and she's feisty and she's tearing into it. She reminds me of Paris Giller. Yes, from, uh, she Girl. absolutely does. She is, she doesn't strike me as a great debater, to be honest. Um, cause like she's immediately like, you know, her, she it's... just more ha- has like kind of raw untapped anger. And so Johnny is impressed. Right. Yeah. So she probably wouldn't have been disciplined enough for Cobra Kai. I mean, I, I liked it cause it's like, he looks at her and sees like this weird hothead yelling stupid things on stage and is like, I see a young me. And yeah, I like and you know what? always, I like that. Yeah. It's not like Miguel was that for him either. It's not like he saw himself in Miguel. No. Yeah. Miguel was like actually like his opposite. Yeah, and actually what's funny is that there's this kind of sweet thing where, like, you know, Miguel tells Johnny earlier, like, hey, maybe you don't need to recruit, like, a crazy accomplished girl athlete. Like, you know, I wasn't a champion when you recruited me, but you saw something in me, which is so sweet, except Miguel, no, he didn't. Like, you were just his neighbor. Like, you just happened to live yeah. there. Like, and Yeah, you... they're retconning the relationship. No, no, I, I actually, I don't think that's true. I think that Miguel, like... This is very sweet. Like, he thinks of it as, like, this is Johnny, my surrogate father and sensei. He saw something in me that nobody else did. I mean, the truth is a little less glamorous, which is that, like, Miguel lived across the hall from you, and he was getting beat up every day. And, you know, it's like, okay, sure, show the kid a few things. It's not bad. It's just that, like, yeah, yeah a little bit of a, like, a discrepancy there. All right. Um, so, anyway, debate girl. We don't actually see... Her agree to join. But you know she will because Agro recognized Agro. And And it's great. Yeah. Um, So each of the dojos, it looks like, gets one more. Gets a girl. Um, Yeah, gets a girl. And then that brings us nicely to the Hawk storyline. Oh. Which um, somebody also commented on Twitter about how we're um, now showing a bit more perhaps empathy at Hawkeye. And I have to say, it's entirely the fact that this actor is just selling the hell out of this character. Yeah. Because, you know, 
it was not that long ago that he broke uh, poor Dimitri's arm. And Dimitri was like, you know, I'm over it. And I'm like, should you be? <laughs> you know? Right? Because uh, I, yeah, I, I think it's a little, maybe that's just how uh, teens work. But just seeing Eli is like, when the when he lost the, sorry, I'm blanking, the mohawk. mohawk. It's like he lost his mojo. Well, he's like Samson. They cut his hair. I know. and he, But he's actually showing contrition. Like, yeah. I don't, I think it was kind of unsaid, you know, like, it's not just a word, wordless look during a fight. He's just like, you know, I was embarrassed and I turned into an asshole. And I yeah. totally believe that. So. I, I know. He's like slowing the hell out of it. And you get the feeling that he's like, when he says, to, Dimitri comes over and is like trying to convince him to start doing karate again and be be like a male champion. And like, when he says he's done with karate, you get the sense that it's like, it's partly because, you know, he's embarrassed because his head was shaved, but it's also just like, karate turned me into like a total asshole and I feel bad about it. Like, you feel bad, right? And Dimitri says karate was the best thing that ever happened to him, which, uh, wow, a lot of thoughts on that. But I have a deeper friendship question for you. Go for it. Do you think that, you know, Dimitri holds up, the reason he was able to forgive Eli so quickly is because Eli is his binary brother. He's number one in his life. Whereas I feel like Eli is like knocked back to the bottom of the social scale. And yeah, Dimitri's popularity has risen slightly since season one. But I, I get the feeling that Eli's not all in. Eli's like, I'm here, I'm bummed, you're coming over, and sure. Right. You know, I feel that drift. I don't feel like they're in it together. I feel like Dimitri's just jazzed to have his buddy back. And Eli's just... Eh. Okay. I actually have not necessarily an opposing take, but a different take. Okay. So I, I too, like, watching Dimitri come over and be like, I forgive you for all of that, breaking my arm and doing all this shit and everything. I was like, what? Why? But then I thought about it for a second, and Dimitri is essentially like, hey man, you're the one who got me into karate. I mean, you actually put me in a position where I had to learn karate. I'm like, yeah, because he was like threatening you and shit. That's true. But then I thought about this for a second. And, okay. So Dimitri getting into karate, like, sort of indirectly led him to, like, building self-confidence and getting with Yasmin, the bitchy blonde girl at school. And maybe that's all he cares about. He absolutely, as human beings have a tendency to do, he sort of conflates all this stuff. And I think in his mind, he's like, Eli getting into karate somehow actually led to Dimitri getting with this hot blonde chick, which is, I guess, true. And that is why he forgives Eli. So he Dimitri, really... Dimitri's raison d'etre is getting laid. Yes. His raison d'etre has always been getting laid, not inconsistent with the character. And, like... Whereas Eli is a more complicated character. Eli's a bit more complicated, <laughs> to be honest. Like, look, like... I can buy that. And to yeah. be totally fair, like, Dimitri probably never would have get laid, gotten laid if Eli hadn't joined Cobra Kai. Like, it all does connect... And so I totally, I totally understand, like, if I think about it from that idiotic 16-year-old boy point of view, like, sure. So, so I mean, that, I don't think that negates my earlier point that about, maybe, oh yeah, yeah, maybe so, Dimitri is like the most shallow person on the show. Oh, totally. Like, absolutely. And he's just like, look, he, look, he always enjoyed his friendship with Eli, and now because of Eli's weird fucking journey, he's somehow like banging this hot blonde chick. So he's like, he's always going to be okay with that. And with Eli. Um, now, Eli's thing with Dimitri is, like, I get what you're saying in that, like, yeah, you know, I, I don't know how how strong that friendship is for him. But I will say that, like, so basically, like, Dimitri comes over and, you know, just basically tries to get him in back into karate. Um, 
tries to get him to come to Miyagi-Do, and then when Eli says he won't, like, you know, Dimitri's like, oh, so you're gonna pick, like, Eagle Fang over your best friend, and, and, and like... like, are you best friends? I mean, wait, 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 wait for it, wait for it, wait for my argument, like, Eli, like, is like, no, I'm just quitting karate altogether, I'm not going to either dojo. I thought it was interesting that, like, at the end of the episode, Eli comes to Miyagi-Do to join, and the first time I watched it, I'm like... No, like, I mean, if he's going to get back into karate, like, why not go to Eagle Fang? Like, he was with Eagle Fang before he was with Miyagi-Do, you know? And, like, I assume the Eagle Fangs, like, he's been with the Eagle Fangs longer. Like, he knows Miguel and Penis Breath better than he knows these other folks. And then I realized, like, oh, he's there because this is his way of, like, apologizing to Dimitri. That's true, but apologizing and feeling guilty and wanting to make amends, that's a reason to join Miyagi-Do. But that's not saying, I feel that, like, have you ever seen a friend crush in action? Like, when someone's like... I want to befriend that person. I saw that with um, Miguel and and Eli, kind of at the end of that episode where he was like, <laughs> when um, Miguel lured them to the baseball diamond and they all got like wet. Yeah, and and what's his face? Eli was like, that was amazing. That was like the smartest, coolest thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, you're selling it a bit hard, bro. I wouldn't say that unless I was really trying to be friends with somebody. And you know, he's got a friend crush and it's fine. We've all had them, but you know what? He's not over at Dimitri's corner being like, that was a cool thing that you did. Cause him and Dimitri, maybe they don't have that much stuff in common. What they have everything in common. No, Dimitri's revealed himself to be <laughs> entirely obsessed with Yasmin, who we know is just negative space. Yeah, she's pretty negative space. But that said, like, they're binary brothers, Nina. No, who showed who the video? Okay, I mean, Dimitri, yeah. obviously, because Eli's in yeah. a weird, dark place, like, where he's playing Eli's Dungeon Eli's like, Lord. I don't recognize this. This is a deep fake of me in this video. I, I'm going to call it. You know, I'm very sensitive I, friendship radar. I hate to bring, like, real life into this, but Nina... I know when you're drifting. Nina, you have never once been like, well, that was so awesome what you just did. That was amazing. Aren't, but aren't we, at the end of the day, binary b- brothers or Heavy sisters? Heavy silence. This is where it ends, guys. Why don't we have a Binary Brothers video? This is a great finale for the 40th episode. You've never thought, like, hey, maybe I should make a cool Binary Brothers video with me. I'm not that lame. <laughs> um, Nina, what are we doing right now? It's a Friday night, guys. What are we doing right don't now? Don't out us, <laughs> It is a Tuesday night, and afterwards we're going clubbing. Like maybe. Like Tuesday? God. Um, it's DC. It's that's even really sadder good. somehow. Um, <laughs> Anyway. anyway, that got too real for me. I'm just going to get stuck um, back. Yeah, so that's Hawk and Dimitri. Please write to us about their friendship because, honestly, I'm really curious. Do you see them on an equal playing field or is Dimitri just out there on the ledge by himself? I mean, I'm just right going to say Eli came to that Loser Dojo, which has a bonsai logo on He's trying on to make knees. amends. I totally buy that he's trying to make amends. And you know what? After he wins the fighter, like... Fights and fights for Miyagi Do. He is cleared as dead. Okay, his it's a dead. matter of honor. Look, and then once you know college rolls around, guess what? He's going to be on the same plane as Aisha and Sam's friendship. Okay, it's not going to be around anymore. Yeah, it's just going to be weird, awkward meetups in Santa Barbara. Man, or... I hope the show goes seven seasons. I want to see the college years. Right when everyone's having awkward one-way calls. <laughs> hey, Aisha, are you still black? 
I mean, I'm serious. I oh, want to know. Um, anyway. So, yeah, listeners, write in about the Eli-Dimitri um, friendship. Also write in about whether you want me and Nina to make a binary sisters video. That's a no. Uh, our Friday slash Tuesdays are booked. <laughs> You're such a zero. <laughs> I know. Um, okay. Do we cover everything? I wanted I to... we did. There was a lot I liked in this episode, actually. Um, except for, like, Sam's weird conversation with Aisha, which, you know, I even was okay with that just because it's kind of nice to see Aisha. I give it four out of five blue mats. <laughs> um, it's interesting, because I would also give it four out of five. We'll settle this on the mats, which is what Terry Silver said to Daniel. Hot. Yeah, it is very tinged, guys. <laughs> There's a lot of innuendo. There's a ton of innuendo. I mean, I'm not the only one, right? No, I'm, I mean, I see it in like pretty much like every interaction in the show. That's um, another thing. Right into us. Yeah. Where do you see like weird pairings that no one else sees? <laughs> um, okay. Uh, as we've as we've noted before, we do read every email we get and comment. Um, please write to us. But any of the things we've mentioned and all the things we haven't mentioned. Yes, please. We love you guys. Um, we're at Kai underscore cast on Twitter. And you can write to us, Cobra Kai Never Dies cast at gmail.com. And as always, strike first, strike hard. No, no mercy. mercy.